As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. With Black Friday approaching, we are running a massive sale for Friday, November 26th only. Use code FRIDAY60 for 60% off any package site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. Dan Pizzuta joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, holiday holiday week. Uh, sitting right here. I guess you'll be listening to this after Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you did also. Uh, Rich, uh, how are we doing today? Doing real good. I mean, we're what? This is two thirds through the NFL season this it's week. Crazy. So. We are officially making moves. You know, hopefully everyone is uh, scoring all their Black Friday deals and you know getting everything uh, online that they needed to get uh, that they were hunting for this today. Yeah, we need to start shopping for some like good NFL games. Um, obviously, the we're, we're, is, uh, there's some bad ones here. There's some bad ones on here. And we're recording this before the Thanksgiving Day games, so we will not know uh, how those went. But uh, looking at how they could potentially go. Um, not great. So yeah, uh, again, I, I feel like we kind of go into this every week, just kind of hoping for some good games and it doesn't always happen, which is a, a tough thing to do for a, a weekly preview podcast. Uh, so we are going to uh, try to get through what we, what we can here, hopefully find uh, the best in what these games are going to be. So man, looking at this slate, I, I don't even know where we should be. Just start with the good games first. Yeah. Texans, it- Jets. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, you know, and Zach Wilson going to be starting. <laughs> you know, let's just—I mean—the the Joe Flacco trade is uh, one of the funniest things I've. I mean, it's not funny because it's actually terrible. But uh, just to hit the Jets real quick, I I, I knew they were going to be bad, but I thought the process would at least be like a little better of like what they were doing, and it just doesn't seem like that's the case either. Um, no, not at all. I mean, the way they handled the quarterback situation and everything it's been it's been a dumpster fire. good thing for zach wilson the the texans blitz at the second lowest rate so i guess that's fine right everything's gonna be you know back as to long as he doesn't mush our elijah more momentum uh that's all i'm looking for yeah i guess that's that's the one thing they figured out okay uh way too long on the jets already <laughs> let's go into some let's just let's go into rams and packers because i think that's really the only game i'm really want to talk about the here because it's clearly that's the best game of of this week and it's you know really interesting for what these teams are going to be looking like heading into this like we saw the rams we didn't really talk about the rams and, and all the impact that it has anything because we the two weeks ago we recorded after like those moves went down the the beckham signing became official uh, and then we didn't really talk about them last week because they were on a buy so now they're coming back like again after two state like they're two worst games of the season easily but we we can kind of see why right like it's going to be like one of those chiefs things where those interceptions like those turnovers the pick sixes like those are not going to carry on we had a, a twitter spaces thing last week where i said i don't really think i'm too concerned about what the rams offense is going to be going forward because like it, for what they were in two weeks ago it was possibly one of the worst places you could be in with a new receiver who came in on what Thursday, didn't practice till Friday, losing a, one of the major contributors to a torn ACL on Friday. So like when you're putting those two together, like of course the offense was going to look disjointed uh, when uh, Ben Shonek was played like 42 snaps uh, in that game against San Francisco. Uh, obviously that's not going to be a big piece of, of the Rams offense going forward. No, 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 I don't think we're going to see Ben Skorak play 75% of the snaps again. Uh, you know, I mean, it's because it's 11 personnel teams since Johnny Monk got hurt. Uh, there are a lot of dynamics here, though. I mean, because obviously they're we're looking for them to get right out of the bye, get Odell acclimated. And then also you have kind of this this factor of going against Green Bay. And, you know, Joe Barry, if, if there's anyone that knows Sean McVay, it's Joe Barry. He's worked with him for this past six years, the previous six seasons. He was with them in Washington and then all four years with the Rams. So I'm curious to see too, like what he's got cooked up, knowing that just being, you know, in the, in the same kind of uh, air of, of Sean McVay and kind of knowing what Sean McVay wants to do, if the Packers have any wrinkles that they can kind of throw to kind of slow down this offense. But 
uh, from a personnel stance. We've seen that the Packers defense have been playing over its head a little bit, you know, kind of probably the, throughout the entire midseason, just based on personnel that they've had to play, especially in the defensive backfield. Uh, yeah. Last week, that finally got exploited a little bit, you know, by Justin Jefferson, who could have had two more touchdowns in that game. And they ran like, we'll probably talk about the Vikings a little bit. They, I like the Justin Jackson's Texas route out of the backfield, though, that got negated. But I want to see more of that. More teams do some, some cool stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, the Packers defense had been playing a little bit over its head, like I said, especially against the pass. So I'm curious to see if the Rams, you know, can come back and get on track. Uh, the, the Rams, obviously, too, are another team that they, they could use to run the football a little bit more than they are. Uh, they're not, we don't want to run it all the time. But, yeah, you know, they, they, they had gotten a little pass happy. Uh, you know, and, and when you have a guy like Stafford and you have, you had four years of Jared Goff, you know, that's bound to happen. Uh, but they have a really good backfield. They have, they have, they have two really good backs. And so like, I'd like just a little more offensive balance to kind of stay on script because this interior line finally got exploited a little bit too, the past two, two games. Uh, so yeah, I'm very curious about this game though, uh, on a number of levels. Yeah. And, and it's tough when, you know, those, like those pick sixes that we're talking about, like happened early in the game. So they kind of dug themselves in early hole and then kind of had to start the passing uh, again. And, and that's when, you know, teams are going to like the, the Rams just were not in the early part of the season, putting themselves in um, like right. uh, obvious passing situations. So that's when you see some teams are be able to, you know, sit back and, and play how they're going to uh, against the pass like that. And yeah, when you, when you look at the Packers, like they're, they're not a, a heavy blitzing team right now, the past couple of weeks, um, you know, four man rush 79% of the time, they're only blitzing yep. 18% of the time. And they, they're one of those teams that, you know, with Joe Barry coming from uh, the Rams and, you know, was with uh, Brandon Staley last week, the two high shell 67%, which is the third most over the past couple of weeks, uh, 67% light box. So uh, if you see that, that's potentially, you know, something the, the, the Rams are going to know. This is the side where, where both teams are going to be able to, you know, know what the other mm-hmm. side is going to be doing. So we're going to have to, you know, see some counters. And then, uh, you know, on, on defense, I think the, the Rams are, we haven't really seen Von Miller unleashed. And I think that that's going to be interesting to potentially see that go in on that defensive line. Um, when you look at, uh, I'm interested to see what they do with Jalen Ramsey, because he's been re- like, he's been Jalen Ramsey. Like he's been one of the best defensive players in the league. They haven't used him as, you know, a, a shutdown type corner uh, who's going to, you know, follow Devonte Adams, but maybe he will in this game because there's not a lot else on the, the Packers that really would scare you. Um, it, although, you know, last week Green Bay was able to, to figure that out, right. They had the long touchdown to, uh, MVS, uh, Rogers had that ridiculous throw to, uh, to Guerra in the, um, oh yeah. In the end. So it was insane. So, um, I think that'll be interesting to see, you know, how they match up and I think how they use Ramsey and whether they want to keep him in the middle of the field, just to defend everything or use that resource to stop Devonte Adams. I think that's going to be, um, you know, a big key to this game and then how they, they attack that. And he didn't shadow him last year. Obviously, you know, it was with Staley and not Raheem Morris, but I don't know what we'll see them see them do. You know, he's he's kind of just been moving, he's moved around like on everybody. And we've also seen him get beat. You know, DK got him for that touchdown on a you know good receiver. Uh, you know, so you have to remember too, it works both ways. It's also a tough matchup for Jalen Ramsey, as good as he's been. You know, Devontae Adams is a legit receiver if they do put him in one-on-one. And we're not seeing the Thanksgiving games, uh, you know, at the point of recording this, but same thing for Marshawn Lambert and Stephon Diggs. Like it's also a tough matchup for the cornerbacks when you uh, have those kind of it's not always just a negative for the receiver. So, uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see, you know, if they do deploy him that way. I mean, Packers moved Devontae Adams around so much. Yeah. You know, it, it's almost like a, a thing where you're almost hurting yourself in a, in a way if you do have him do that. But, uh, you know, but MVS had his, like, he does this all the time, right? If you, he'll pop up and have, like, a, a random game. I mean, I don't know how many 10-target MVS games uh, we're going to see. I think it was only the third time he's had double-digit targets in his career um, and him running free. Because that's how you beat the, the Vikings is, is with the vertical pass. Uh, you know, Rodgers got on track uh, in that game. Uh, he had struggled downfield before that game. Going into that game, he had, he had really struggled to connect on those deep balls. And that's because they just didn't have the receivers, right? Like, yeah, it, I mean, you don't, don't have, I mean, it's not really not Devontae Adams' game. He does get downfield, uh, you know, four targets, but like, he's not a, he's not one of those guys that's catching, you know, you know, things 30 yards and 30 air yard ball. So uh, yeah, they, they need MVS to kind of unlock that kind of component. Cause they were one of the teams we thought might be in the Odell sweepstakes. And I guess they were, they just didn't really offer a contract that, that suited Odell's needs. Um, 
So, yeah, it might be a little bit of uh, like what you could have had game too. Because I do expect, you know, I know that everyone has chased the Odell thing for a year and a half, but I really do believe he's going to be like a focal point of the offense. I mean, he, they don't really have a choice at, at yeah. this point. Like he, he could have been a luxury with Robert Woods, but I think now they have to, you know, really figure that out um, because that he is going to be the, the number two receiver there. If Van uh, Jefferson's and, never had more than 17% of targets in any game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with, you know, they had the buy the full, full weeks of, of practice. Now I think they, they got him more uh, ingrained in, in the game plan. And like they said, I, I think I was reading a little bit, like he doesn't, he still doesn't know the full offense because they are a very week to week game plan type of, of team. But if you're, you know, game planning for the Packers is obviously going to know much more in the offense. And like the o- Odell does a lot of that good stuff or like the, the small stuff, that the Rams like might need him to do like the run blocking, like he can do that. He just was never asked to because he was never in a situation where like that should have been his role, right? If he was with the giants in 2015 and you're asking like Odell to, to come in like chip in, in the run game, like what you weren't using him correctly in that instance, but I think he can still fit in this offense because he does do that stuff. Well, he just never had to, because like he had to be the guy. And since he doesn't really have to be that, I, I do think this is going to be a much better fit in the offense than like some people were, were thinking. Um, so let's, let's just uh, move on. We spent a lot of time on that game, but because when we're looking at the schedule, it's really, you know, one of the, the more interesting well, ones. Beating NFC game. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, it's going to matter a lot because I, in first and 10, I started putting uh, like playoff probabilities and, and uh, buy possibilities because like they, they really start to matter right now, especially with that, with that number one seed, um, you know, Arizona has that now, but the green Bay and the Rams right, right there. And that's, that's the only buy now. And that, I mean, it, it does matter. So let's, um, let's stick with the, with the Sunday night, or the sun, late Sunday afternoon uh, slate and, and talk about the, the two teams, these teams played the, the last time we saw them play. And, and that's Vikings 49ers, because this game has now become really interesting too. Uh, probably more so than it would have been like two weeks ago. Um, you know, Minnesota pulls out that, that game against the Packers where we have this. Uh, interesting, game. Yeah. Like it, it, like the anti-Minnesota game though, right? Like we kind of expected the Vikings to to blow it at every point. And then they come back. Uh, Kirk Cousins was, you know, the most aggressive. I think we've like seen him throwing the ball downfield. Uh, and then he comes out this week and was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be that uh, aggressive. Like I, I still, you know, want to play my game. And Mike Zimmer comes out and is like, no, Kirk, we want you to be aggressive. Please throw the ball downfield more. And then Kirk Cousins comes back and is like, well, I still don't want to like throw interceptions. So we have like this back and forth between Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer of uh, how aggressive they want uh, Kirk Cousins to be. And I feel like Zimmer's just like, just screw it, man. Just throw the ball deep. That's all we got going for us right now. Uh, please do that. So uh, the, the more Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer dynamic uh, heading into this game. And now we have San Francisco who has like, completely figured out their offense, I guess. Uh, Debo Samuels, now the, the team's top running back because, you know, you can only use, you know, so many high picks and, and trade up for running backs before you just realize your best receiver is also your best running back. Um, and so we have uh, all of this, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is doing uh, just enough. Like this is the Jimmy Garoppolo we kind of saw in that like Super Bowl season, right? Where the offense was schemed up so well, he doesn't have to do a lot. And he's going to be like one of the top quarterbacks in EPA per dropback just because of how wide open uh, everything is. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of dynamic here going into, you know, this offense of why they've been one of the best offenses in the league over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. You see the four are using a lot more, a lot more shotgun passing, not just like the under center, you know, play action stuff that they typically have done. So, you know, they've now that they've gotten Kittle back and they finally figured out like they want to play Brandon Ayuk, like you've seen it kind of open, <laughs> open up though. And they have opened the things up, but I mean, the problem with Grapple is you still see like the opening drive last week, like there's still those plays that he just leaves on the field. And that's what always kind of, uh, always is it's like his one bugaboo right like because Garoppolo is like a functional quarterback he's definitely one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL 
but you know, the, in the context of like winning the Super Bowl and like having him be a franchise guy, like those are plays that you have to make, like, you know, you have to be able to make that throw. It's a perfect play call. You obviously have worked on this play the entire week because you have Jeff Wilson line up at wide receiver. Uh, and you know, you just have to make that throw. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wide oh open. My God, so, yeah. I mean, you, you just have to, you can throw it left-handed, throw it up in the air, let him call fair catch, whatever, because he's that open. Um, and you, he, I mean, outside of, you know, you know, removing that play in a couple plays, you know, per game, like he's still, he's played is the best stretch of football. He's played entirely uh, the whole entire season since that Colts game. Uh, so, yeah. And you've got this Viking side now that they, I mean, they're just down so many bodies now they are getting Patrick Peterson back, but I mean, you're now down. Daniel Hunter is not, not playing. He hasn't played for a few weeks. Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson's out. I mean, it's the wrong offense to be missing a bunch of defensive linemen. Uh, you know, so uh, it's be interesting to see how they kind of combat things. And it's going to, like I said, they might, might, that might just force Kirk Cousins to stay aggressive because the 49ers going to press the scoreboard a little bit in this game uh, based on just the amount of injuries the Vikings have had. They've, they've been game. They've tried to really scheme some things up defensively. And they they were good in that Packers game, like up until like the all wheels broke off, right? Like the Packers started making yeah. big plays. I mean, it was 23 to 10 at one point in that game in the third quarter and the Packers really hadn't done a lot offensively. Uh, you know, Rodgers made like the ridiculous touchdown pass uh, in that game, but yeah. So they might have to actually press here on the road uh, in San Francisco uh, to kind of keep things kind of uh, aggressive. And we seen Clint Kubiak come out when he said it, like two weeks ago, when it's like, why are we throwing the ball to our best player? And the last two weeks, like they have really funneled the offense entirely almost through Justin Jefferson. And you see like how explosive it can be. Yeah, and like throughout the game too, and especially like late in the fourth quarter, like he has been their closer uh, to to the point. It happened in, in the Chargers game. They had that that big throw to him down the sideline that kind of, um, you know, uh, really like solidified what they were going to do in, in the fourth quarter. And they did it again. Just You have like some of these plays, like he's one of those guys that when he's covered, he's open. All right. That, that the touchdown he had um, down the, down the right sideline uh, against green Bay um, where he's uh, just running. He, he comes back off the back shoulder and just the, the body control um, and just the, the ability to adjust to the ball is, has just been absolutely insane. And then he can run over and uh, Minnesota is, is doing some cool things schematically too. Like they had him just wide open uh, a couple of times uh, running across the field. And I think that kind of happened on, on both sides uh, of the ball. There were a couple Devonte Adams uh, runs where he was uh, wide open crossing the field too. But I think they're starting to, you know, scheme that up uh, a little bit. And so when you have, can have him wide open, uh, you can also you know, have him uh, just make these ridiculous contested catches too. Then I think that's, that's really where this, this Minnesota offense uh, is going to be, um, you know, we're really going in as long as the cousin starts, keeps, I guess, pushing the ball down the field. And I think it's really interesting for this, for the San Francisco offense right now. So since they came out of the bye, they're first in uh, the rate of motion. Uh, obviously this is a Kyle Shanahan thing. 67% is first in the league uh, since week seven per sports info solutions. They're only using play action on 10% of their dropbacks, which is 32nd in the league since a oh, week seven, but they have a 72% success rate in that. So they're kind of really picking their spots with play action. We kind of think of this as a motion play action, heavy type offense. They're not using that play action uh, quite as much, but they're just hitting it in the right spots. And those are, those are the big plays. Um, so it's either like these kind of chunk gains or it's, um, you know, the, the 12, uh, the 12 or so, uh, play drives that are taken up like entire quarters. Uh, so that's, that's what we're seeing from the San Francisco offense right now. Yeah. They've really, like I said, they've, they've had Garoppolo basically in the shotgun. Like that's where he's been, like that's where he's been operating, you know, uh, over the last month outside of like the, like you said, that traditional, you know, kind of play a little, you know, heavier personnel and, and run that play action. Like we've seen from like, uh, the old Shanahan schemes, like, you know, a little, all those bootlegs and stuff like this. We haven't really seen that, you know, the past and it's been good. It's been good for Garoppolo. Yeah, it has only a 4% designed uh, rollouts uh, over mm-hmm. uh, since, since the buy, which is you know crazy. So it's, it's, I think a good sign here for, you know, Kyle Shanahan, when we were kind of talking about, you know, heading before the buy and what is this offense going to do? Are we ever going to see Trey Lance? Um, do they have any idea what they're doing? And uh, I think they've, they've really turned it around. Well, I still think that kind of puts them in an awkward position, uh, which I think um, uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked earlier this week, like what, what's the deal with Trey Lance? And 
I think he said it's very clear, like he's the future. And I think that was, you know, kind of talked about in relation to Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022. So I think that still kind of puts them in in a weird place of what, trying to figure out what to do now. But but right now they they look good. Um, they're you know one of these teams in the bottom of the NFC that could be fighting for for a playoff spot. So it, yeah, both these teams. So <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. It's is this is going to be a more meaningful game uh, than than I think we would have, and, and probably a more well played game than I think we would have even thought about uh, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I need I'm I'm going to need the Vikings here to make this move in the the in our you know our pick draft. I'm going to need the Vikings to steal some wins here. Yeah, I mean, if, if we go, if you, you've been listening to this pod for, for a while, we did a, a wins draft uh, where it's uh, Rich, Warren, and I uh, picked uh, 10 teams each. Uh, and it, it's pretty close. It's I think tight. You, it's tight. Yeah, you, um, I know you were, you were trailing pretty much all year and then, and then came back uh, and have taken the lead by, I think, one game. So uh, but, I think we're all one game within each other. So. Yeah, which is it's interesting because uh, it, our, our picks were, I'm not going to say any of us had great picks, but uh, we are all close, which is, <laughs> yeah, that's how, I mean, that's the NFL preseason NFL. So that, oh, I mean, especially with, with this type of season where uh, we don't know if we still don't know if anyone's good, uh, which uh, you just hear a lot. It's, it's over overplayed at this point to ask. It's if coming together good, for but... uh, my Eagles though. Sure. So let's, let's dive into that game just real quick because uh, we don't have to, talk about anything much longer uh, about the giants but the eagles are super interesting and we've we've kind of been talking about this we talked went into last week wondering whether uh the eagles were going to be able to run on the saints who were the best run defense in the league and the answer is yes <laughs> and a lot of it has been because it's been built around the jalen hurts run right. game so that's that's why uh, they're able to do it it's not you know miles sanders was was fine for what he did like it, it wasn't the hand the ball off to the running back 30 times and that's how we run it down your throat getting jalen hurts he had a couple of those scrambles too the one late in the fourth quarter um so he's just been like this offense is now designed around him uh to have uh you know, his strengths, his passing strengths. You know, I think we were seeing Devontae Smith do some really cool things. I, I posted a clip uh, of one of those you know, third and twos where, you know, Jalen Hurst just had like nine seconds to throw. Um, and it's Devontae Smith against uh, Marshall Lattimore. And it's just like a, a, a he's just running a, a cross, shallow crosser, uh, but he's got to, he spins Lattimore around. It's going over like two slants that are going out on, on a trip side. Uh, so Lattimore has to run through like two picks in order to, to chase them and, and ends up being a, a big gain on third down. So um, like I, this Eagles offense is, is just is fun and they're, they're, they've figured out Jalen Hurts. And I think that's really been the key uh, to well, how they've improved uh, over these past couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's, you know, we've we seen this with the Ravens, right? Because, like, no one questions the Ravens when they face a good run D, right? Like, you just, you more worry about, because it's, you have to combat everything centered around Lamar Jackson. It's what the Eagles have swerved into. Uh, you know, over the past month, they have, they have 65 rushing attempts off of read options. The next closest team is 26. So, yeah. even if you have a good run defense like the Saints that are, but they are good against the base run, when you have the quarterback be part of it, and you, you know, you're playing 11 on 11 defense. Uh, it's a lot harder to stop. And, you know, you see like even good defenses have a hard time doing that. And it's, it's something Nick Sirianni did not use a lot early in the season. We talked about it. I, I don't remember like what week it was specifically around, but there was a point where Jalen Hurts was like eighth or eighth or ninth in designed runs. And, but all his runs were scrambles. And it's like, well, what's, what are we really doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and now they've started to build around that. And then you see the passing efficiency comes along with it, right? Like you put you, because it's offensive leverage. When you think of like all the, the guys that are the archetype of the mobile quarterbacks um, that maybe have like a, that aren't like the pure pocket passers, like guys like Colin Kaepernick, you know, uh, Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson over the years, like, like you know, Cam Newton, when you put these guys in offensive leverage spots, that's like when you hit the big plays, when you have the defense that has to defend the run and the pass and what these teams can do, what these players could do when you, the, when you just put them in drop back pass scenarios, that's when you have like all the other narratives, right? Like the Lamar can't come back and, you know, all these other things that get exploited. Cam Newton was like that last week too. Cam Newton was awesome on like first down and then like terrible on like all the other downs. Uh, You know, you, you gotta, you gotta keep offensive leverage and it's just huge. And that's, it's, that's what the Eagles have been able to do the last month. And I, I mean, since there's Zach Ertz trade too, I think it's made a big difference too. Cause you know, that you play a little less 12 personnel, uh, although like, like Quez and Jalen Rager aren't doing a lot, but then you, you, you're, yeah, getting... it's a, it's a spread to run team now, yeah, which, right. which is cool. 
yeah, and that and it just makes a difference uh, on the defense. You know, we've seen they, they're scheming itself for Goddard too. Like Goddard's been awesome. It's just they're not throwing a lot, so it's not standing out. But Goddard's been right. awesome in like the past month uh, as well. So I mean, they're a team that you know you look at. We've talked their their remaining schedule is set up like this is like a game like you can't lose if you're the Eagles. Like you've 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 put yourself in this position. You've got a team that you know in the Giants that just fired you know Jason Garrett that are going through their. <laughs> kind of like, you know, tumultuous, like they can't score touchdowns. Like the, the Giants <laughs> just can't. They're the only team in the NFL with more field goals than touchdowns. Uh, and, and like, you just can't lose this game if you're Nick Sirianni. Like this is a big, like, you can't let down. Like you, you, you put yourself in this position now. Now don't, don't falter. Like this is the one you have to win if you're the Eagles. Yeah, and it really is, especially if you look at the, the Eagles, like upcoming schedule, just not even, I think I put this in, in first and 10, like when you look at what Philadelphia has been doing, right? They're five and six, which you no know, is not great. But again, in the, the NFC, the bottom of it, if you're, you know, around 500, you can kind of sneak in, but if you look at it, it's, you know, at the giants at the jets and then they're by, and then Washington giants, Washington, uh, before they play, you know, Dallas in the last week of the season and Dallas might not have anything to, to right. play for there. So this, this shapes up like real interesting for the Philadelphia, if they can keep some of this up. And like you said, they're, they're doing some good things and, and they're doing more interesting things and playing to their players' strengths, which uh, is something, you know, when we talked about earlier in the season, we were wondering what the Eagles were doing. They, they weren't playing to anyone's strengths. Like they were just kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what they were doing, but, but right now they just, they have a plan and it, it took a couple of weeks to, to get there, but it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then like, when you look at what this defense can do, like, this is really where, you know, some of the talent was, we kind of talked about it last week, you know, along the defensive line, they still have these guys, Darius Slay is playing out of his mind uh, right now. And so they're able to, you know, put some of these pieces together uh, and uh, the, the defense is playing, you know, pretty well and going against, you know, a, a Giants offense that, you know, even with Jason Garrett, like it's, you know, firing Jason Garrett obviously was something the Giants probably should have done after last season, after how it went. So now, it was a move that needed to be made. But when, you know, you're the franchise that is willingly hiring Jason Garrett, firing Jason Garrett is, is not your biggest problem. Right. There's there's so many issues going on with the Giants right now and why they can't do anything. Uh, on offense, you know, Joe Judge doesn't want to say like who's even calling plays, even though, you know, everyone has said it's Freddie Kitchens. Uh, but I think that has left the door open for Joe Judge to potentially be involved in the play calling, which he has uh, never done uh, before. Um, so I just I don't think that fixes a lot of things because, you know, we have seen Freddie Kitchens as a as a play caller. And I think the the time where he stepped in as the interim, I think there was a a, a lot uh, helped from what was it? Alex Van Pelt was the yep. the quarterbacks coach, and I think uh, the more away we got from that situation, the more we heard uh, Van Pelt was heavily involved uh, in that. And then he was not retained uh, when Kitchens became the head coach, and we kind of saw how that went. So um, I think the Giants' offense is still probably going to be pretty disjointed. So th- this is the time for for Philadelphia to uh, to start making some moves. Yeah, I mean, the Gi- I mean, you know, my, my son's a Giants fan. I know you uh, have, have loose ties to the organization now, but you know, it's just it's just one domino out of many that still need to occur. <laughs> yeah, fall. one one out of uh, yeah, a lot. So, yeah, the things things are are not fixed uh, there. I think if we were sticking with some of these early games, uh, talk about the team that, that you know beat the Giants uh, quite easily. Uh, on the Monday night in Tampa and they're heading to Indianapolis, which right. uh, again, like is a more interesting game than we would have thought a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, Tampa has been able to do their thing, like Tom Brady putting up, you know, he's doing well, but like when you look at his numbers, it's like he's throwing for like six and a half yards per attempt uh, every game, but that's you know, been enough because they've you know just been able to figure out enough uh, big plays. The, the defense is playing well. And now they're going to go against this Colts, offense which is suddenly humming on the run game uh you know i don't think we're going to have a a jonathan taylor mvp uh debate here but um or whether he even belongs in the conversation but i think it's unquestionable right now that what he is doing is able to sustain that offense because we've talked about carson wentz a lot where it's when situations are perfect he's been playing pretty well when they're not uh, that's when he's been getting himself uh, into some trouble and when you have um you know jonathan taylor who can you know 
it running over the past couple weeks um, at like the same EPA per play rate as like Matthew Stafford has been throwing the ball all season. Uh, that does change the dynamic uh, of an offense. Um, so it, they've been able to rely on that. And we kind of talked about it in the past couple weeks. Like it was, they were waiting for that big play, right? It was very much like a Derek Henry type thing where Jonathan Taylor is going to rip off this like 60 yard run. And they were kind of like waiting on that, but he's been a little more successful now. Um, and they've just been able to, you know, continue to, you know, rely on that, which it just, it, it, it it really changes a lot of what they can do uh, because you don't want Carson Wentz, you know, sitting back and dropping back like 50 times. And they haven't had to do that over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I actually do believe John Taylor belongs in MVP conversation <laughs> this year. Cause I mean, well, we have a, a unique season. Well, first of all, like before even getting the minutia, the reward of it being called the most valuable player. And we all know it's just best quarterback. Uh, yeah. And then they do offensive player of the year, basically to the, to the, like just typically the best running back. Uh, we have a year, like you said, with there, there's no standouts to like what quarterback has been dominant, like throughout the season to this point, like it's open. Yeah, it every, everybody's open. had a stinker. Yeah. It should be open. So it should be open for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. If it was any season, it should be this one because Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, you know, Kyler's been hurt. Like it, it's all these guys have had like down moments. It's like no one's there's no one that, that is running away with it uh so i mean i do think that he at least belongs in the conversation if he can sustain this uh you know it is the it is one of the more ridiculous runs of like in nfl history you know i put in the worksheet it's just the eighth it's the fourth time ever in nfl history that a player's got eight straight games with 100 yards and a touchdown um in the same season Ladanian thomason was the last one to do it the other players are uh Eric Dickerson and I'm trying to think who the other one was uh it's eluding me but the, it, it's it's an insane it's an insane list though of guys so like, he's on a mega heater uh like you said that the thing about it is it's the situations where he's averaging 7.3 yards per carry on first down runs like it's insane like you just like it's yeah. everyone like everyone knows like the most obvious rundown and you're still averaging seven yards a carry uh on first down runs like it's it's bonkers so it's like an insane number um, you know, and obviously Todd Bowles is like this. He lives for this, right? Like Todd Bowles has probably been like thinking about this. Like you got John Taylor come out of a five yeah. touchdown game. This like Todd Bowles, like he's going to run, they run so many double mug looks. Like they're going to, he's allowed 300 yard rushers since they've been in Tampa Bay. Like there's no way, like it's going to be like emphasis of pride, right? Like they're going to be the ones to slow him down. Uh, yeah. And then they put, if you put the ball on once. It seems like even last week and once they have to do much, he was awful. <laughs> he was terrible in that game. I mean, he is he isn't thrown for more, he's thrown for more than six yards or pass attempt in one of the past five games they've played. And this is a team that literally, when you look at their thing, their schedule, they could have they could they sh- they could be on an eight-game win streak. You know, they lose in overtime to Baltimore in a game they're up 22-3, and they lose in overtime to Tennessee in a game they're up where Wentz kind of sells them out. Like with a you know, not in the best nice way I could say it was his fault that they were <laughs> that they lost that game. Uh, but this is a game, this is a team that could have eight straight wins right now and be one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Uh, and now they're going into a team that's a Super Bowl favorite. So if, if the Colts do win this one, like they're going to be like smack dab and like kind of the, the heart of everything because they really only have the Patriots left and the Cardinals and like the rest are all winnable games. Yeah, and I think one of the the big things for this game, the way you were just talking about with what Todd Bowles is going to want to do is uh, Vita Vea is going to be back uh, for this game. Uh, He's been out uh, the past couple weeks, um, and that's just like that that big presence. I think like we, you know, when we looked at what Tampa Bay's run offense was in the beginning of the year, like just his presence there made teams stop running. Like they didn't have to be good at stopping the run, which you know they were, uh, but just having the defensive line that they did made teams stop running uh, against them. And that's why they were, you know, so pass t- opponents were so pass heavy uh, against them. So I'm real interested to see like how would that dynamic uh, here, if, if the Colts are just going to, you know, continue to, um, you know, run the way they have, because yeah, if uh, they is back, that, that does, place a, a dynamic that the, the Colts really have not uh run into we saw um, the second half of the Jaguars game they they remember they were like uh, Jonathan Taylor had seven carries or nine yards in the second half of that Jaguars game and they couldn't they couldn't move the ball they couldn't get a first down yeah um so it you know they they're using you know zone runs you know 76 percent of the time over the past uh couple weeks since uh since uh, they, I believe, came off their buy. So 
um, it's you know, so they they can go to the outside a little bit, and that's kind of where we've seen some of those um, th- those big hitters for for Taylor. So I think you know hopefully if that offensive line can stay healthy, it's, it's going to be a fun strength uh, against strength. But if if they can't run in the way they were, and it's you know kind of it we'll talk about Jonathan Taylor kind of like we talked about, you know, Derek Henry, where, you know, he is the exception and until he's not, and, you know, hopefully Taylor can, you know, stay healthy in that point, but even just basing the offense off of those successful runs, those, you know, home run type of runs um, it's, it's going to be tough to sustain over the, the, next part of the season is but like you said it maybe he can be in the mvp conversation if he sustains this yeah. but it's going to be so hard to sustain this type of thing and i, I had a uh, a chart in in first and 10 this week showing you know where jonathan taylor has been uh by you know epa per rush and it is insane like it is the same as what matthew stafford has been over um the, the course of the season and it's like triple the next guy which is like austin eckler i think um jonathan taylor is at like 0.2 uh, epa per rush and uh and Eckler's at like 0.05. Um, and like, there's only four guys with positive EPA per rush uh, right now, because that's like, that's what the run game is. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you probably know that, that the run game is usually a, a negative um, value to, to the offense. So right. yeah, Those guys what... have a lot of touchdowns. That's gets, that's gets, that gets cooked into EPA. Right. Yeah. And, but it's, it's not even the touchdowns too, because I think I, I looked at what he was doing. He was still running like 0.15 EPA per play, um, like before this, this stretch run before this game. So he's, he's been, and you know, we haven't really talked about that game, like it five touchdowns, which is why we're talking about Jonathan how, Taylor how now. Much, and I know it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a half straw man at this point, but I mean, how bad are we going to look back at the Clyde Edwards Alaire over Jonathan Taylor pick? But like even yeah. if, even if you had to take a running back there, I mean it's it's just imagine Jonathan Taylor in the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, which is right, and that 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 tends to I think that even tends to happen when we look at a lot of these you know kind of running back picks. Like even when you look at you know going back to the Jaguars, like right. how different is that like AFC Championship game if Christian McCaffrey is the running back instead of Leonard Fournette? Um, like, I think we, we see that a lot where you're drafting these running backs high. Like, this is the guy we need to draft. And it ends up, you end up drafting the wrong running back uh, to begin with. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like that is kind of just a dynamic we, we see quite often. But, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor in, in the Chiefs offense is, is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, Taylor was the one guy, like, I knew, like, like early around running back was, was kind of dead because he had like that, that profile that was like Saquon Barkley. Like it was everything. Like it was like a dude made in the lab. Like, I mean, you, you have a guy that's 230 pounds that runs a sub four, four that literally also has the resume of three straight 2000 yard seasons in college. Uh, right. I, I, I just feel like there was like something in a lot of people's brains. Like it's right. like even in the NFL that couldn't click of like someone from Wisconsin being that fast because like, that's not supposed to happen. But I I mean, you would have hoped that Melvin Gordon had shed the stigma by then, but you know, Hey. Uh, Yeah. So this is, you know, going to be, uh, you know, well, this is, I think this is going to be a a big game in seeing what the Colts are going to be. If they can find success having that type of of game plan and and running Jonathan Taylor against Tampa Bay, um, then I I think the, the Colts are, really interesting for the rest of the season, but if they can't, and I think we, we might see some teams uh, start to, you know, put some more uh, emphasis on, on trying to stop the run. And then you're going to put uh, more of the load on, on Carson Wentz. And they've been, you know, real successful in, in play action, but I wonder, you know, if the run game is not as successful as it has been, uh, if they're going to, you know, stick with that. And then, like we said, if you have Jonathan Taylor or if you have Carson Wentz, you know, dropping back so many times on like straight dropbacks, that's when you're going to get yourself in trouble. And that's kind of where we saw uh, over the first part of the season where they, they weren't playing that well. Um, and then you see so, the, the Bucks. I mean, we, we, we talked about them last year. I mean, they were the healthiest team in the NFL last year. Yeah. And, and it, most Super Bowl teams, if you go back and look, they did have a fortunate run of injuries. And this year they've just constantly dealt with them. When we talked about Brady, like Brady's when he started to hit this little law, that's when they started to have guys go in and out, right? You lose Gronk, yep. you lose AB. None of yep. the uh, ancillary guys have stepped up. Like, you know, I listen, I like Tyler Johnson. He hasn't, he hasn't stepped up and he hasn't stepped up and played. They haven't had Scotty Miller, uh, Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard really never elevated. So it became like the Gronk or the Mike Evans and Godwin show for the past month. And that was really it. And let, look how many passes they've thrown to Leonard Fournette the last month. 
Yep. Uh, and then, you know, they get Sean Murphy Bunting back last week. Uh, they designated Carlton Davis to return from IR, so he's going to be, like, on the uh, on the come around. So if they can just get healthy for the stretch, I mean, they're 7-3 right now if they win this game. Like, they're still in the driver's seat because the Saints are just melting right now. Uh, they're still in a good spot. But, I mean, this is a team that finally had to deal with injury adversity, uh, unlike last year. Yeah, and that, I think that's what we always figured was was going to be what could derail Tampa Bay and like they were a team or it was written about like brought everyone back um and obviously uh, those all weren't going to stay healthy and that's kind of where we saw it, but they've they've weathered enough right like you said um you know it, it hasn't completely uh you know taken them off track and you know we can still see them playing some of some better football uh going in and you know, uh, like you said with Tom Brady off the top, even though he's only throwing for like six and a half yards per attempt, it's it's been enough because they've they've figured out ways to win. I think they're they're kind of well oiled enough inside of what they have. Um, you know, like I said, when you have Gronk and, and AB out, you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah. Like that is the luxury <laughs> they have. You're like they only have two of the top receivers in the league uh, to throw to instead of you know, having, having the full array of assets, but I think we kind of saw against the giants Gronk coming back. I, I think it is really big, yeah. um, you know, whether, uh, you know, Antonio Brown comes back or not, just having him um, be able to, you know, run some of those overs and, uh, you know, clear out some things. I think that that was a big piece of the offense that I think really helped. And I think it, him back, even though he's, you know, not ever going to be the top target there, what he does in that offense is really important. And, and that was a big piece of them coming back. Um, so let's move on to uh, apparently the, the best team in the league right now. If you go by uh, Football Outsiders weighted DVOA or sorry, I think after after Monday night, I think they went back down to number two. Um, yeah. So for a brief time, the New England Patriots were the number one team in weighted DVOA. Uh, but once Tampa uh, beat the Giants in the way they did, Tampa jumped back uh, into number one. So uh, briefly between Sunday and Monday, uh, New England was number one. And uh, they are hosting uh, the Tennessee Titans, who are, are continually falling apart by the day. Uh, so this really brings us to, like, the Patriots are, are playing really well. Uh, we, we've, we've talked about them a bunch. We've kind of, we've talked about the offense a lot, but the, the defense is just, uh, incredible right now. Like they, all of those pieces coming together. Uh, I wrote about it before the last Thursday's game, uh, against Atlanta, uh, which is nice because, uh, the week before that I wrote about the Atlanta offense, uh, and then, uh, they have been the worst offense in the league over the past uh, couple of weeks. So, uh, it was nice that I wrote about something and it continued to happen. Um, so when we look at that, like just they're, they're playing so well, you know, Matthew Giron has just been, you know, the, the best piece, uh, like one of the best signings of the off season. Like he signed, when we look at the seat, he, like he signed for less than Bud Dupree. Like how did the NFL allow that to happen? Um, <laughs> so you just have, you have Matt Giron, uh, along this defensive line. Like they, they've, they've figured so many things out, like this, this, the scheme, uh, in the defense, just putting everyone in, in the right place, even when they don't have a lot of like superstars, uh, along uh, on that defense. Uh, JC Jackson is like, uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs, if he could consistently cover more. Um, and then you look at the offense, it's, it's, it, we, I think we kind of talk about it every week. It, it's just, it's progressing. It still doesn't have a lot of those deep throws, but like you don't always need those in the way they're able to, um, you know, find consistent success. So, and I think uh, against Tennessee, like they match up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Titans too are one of these teams. Like we talk about the Saints, like even though they're winning games, I think the Colts are a little bit in this boat too, like we talked about it's it's almost like their wins force you to talk about them being good and it's there's all these other things that are like are still floating around like it's like do we really believe and that's like in the titans and then last week they finally had one of those games right where it's like yeah, yeah. we were waiting for this like and um you know the, when you don't get the turnovers the big play to get, get up by a big lead and you know it's it's not their fault they lost Derrick henry and and they basically you know aj brown's been out of lineup julio hasn't played at all i mean they, i mean the the wide receivers if aj brown doesn't play in this game the, the wide receiver unit they're going to trot out and the running back crew they're going to trot out is going to be absolutely like insane when you see like some of the names i mean you know like nick Westbrook, i mean to, to just to go in both both Dontrell of those things Hilliard. like Dontrell Hilliard <laughs> led the team in targets Right, yeah. he had a ten target game, <laughs> so that that goes to both. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. Like the 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 skill players they're gonna put on the field if AJ Brown can't play on Sunday, and then that just swerves right into what the Patriots have faced over the past month. I mean, you know, uh, the defense is like playing excellently; it's all coming together. But like you know, you also you, you face Sam Darnold, you face a Browns team that is offensively trying to figure out what what the hell is going on and you face that like the shell of the Falcons team that they put I mean the Falcons skill unit that they put out on Thursday night outside of Kyle Pitts who was double teamed or helped covered on yeah. double the rate he was coming into that game because it's all they had it's all they had uh you know they're going to get another one of these so I mean I- I'm waiting on the Patriots still because I think everything's excellent to progress this point but like I still need two weeks like, like from now like I need that Bills yeah. game I need two, that yeah, Bills they, and, and they have they still have two <laughs> games against the Bills coming up. That's what I'm waiting on. Right. Uh, uh, like I still think like they're they're good, but like I want I'm talking from like a contender stance, right? Like that can I do I believe the Patriots can win the Super Bowl? I'm waiting still two weeks because like this stretch, I haven't seen like I I haven't seen it. Like you know they they faced the Cowboys early season and they and they lost. They they faced the Bucks and they they hung around, but like I got to see them. I got to see them take the Bills down. That's a, that's what I'm waiting on. <laughs> But it's 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 all like you said though it's I mean it's it's all been perfect like everything's operating it's all well oiled defensively obviously Mac Jones is forty one of forty nine last two games passing like it's pretty good when you when you only allow one offensive touchdown in the past three games and your quarterback has eight incompletions the past two games I think you're probably going to win a lot of football games uh, when those two things happen whether you're throwing the ball fifty yards downfield or eight yards downfield like those are just two things that are going to be pretty good uh, in terms of win loss record yeah. Absolutely. And I think you look at, you know, what this offense is doing. I think it's just, it's like, I think people are trying to, you know, fall all over Mac Jones and like, he's, he's been fine. Like he's been good. I think he still has, you know, negative EPA on the season, um, which would kind of fly in the face of, you know, some people saying he's, you know, one of the, the best rookie quarterbacks. I just think the situation he's been put in is, is, really good and i think it's just well, compared to the other guys it's like not right close. <laughs> yeah that that's the other thing like there's there's no even if he has negative epa uh over the season like everyone else has a lot of negative epa uh over the season so yeah i, I and that's kind of what i was getting into like new england is just figuring out what to do on offense they're finally figuring out those pieces we kind of i think like joked early on in the season like the more Kendrick Bourne is involved in the Patriots offense like the better it is and like that kind of has happened like I think we saw in, in the Cleveland game like he was a big part of that like that the throw to um him double covered uh, in the end zone was you know one of Mac Jones best throws but also you know a great catch uh by Kendrick Bourne so they're, they're figuring that out um they're not really forced feeding Nelson Aguilar on on deep passes that anymore I think they've kind of figured out they have better options there. Um, you know, Hunter Henry being healthy uh, has helped over the past uh, couple of weeks also. So uh, they're, they're starting to figure that. And then they just have like that offensive line and that run game uh, that's been able to, you know, I, I would hate being on your side and, and figuring out what it means for, for fantasy uh, because they're just rotating all, all these guys in and out. But yeah, the thing the is, all of those guys are, way. all of those guys are good. Well, you talked about the Judon uh, signing too. I mean, they, they, they were just gifted Trent Brown back too, like, like right. Yeah. They just like the NFL just lets the Patriots do these things that it gets to Thanksgiving. And we're talking about why, why, like, why did you let them do this? Yeah. It, it happens like every year. And it, it, even last year, like I think looking at what that team was for that team to like finish with seven wins was like we should have uh, expected they could continue to do stuff with like talent now. And, and that's what they're doing. Um, like that, that's seven and four. Like this has been an impressive team. And even though like they haven't, you know, like they haven't really beaten anyone kind of like you said, but it's, that's what their schedule was. They've been, right. you know, beating up on bad teams, which is, is a sign of a good team. Um, so yeah, but like you said, two, two upcoming games against the bills, which uh, is going to mean a lot, like not just for what the Patriots are going to be, but like for the AFC East, uh, because uh you know, it depends on, on what the Bills do uh, Thursday night, which we we don't know as we're recording this. You will know uh, af- as while listening to this. Um, but like that is up in the air now, which it, it looks like the Bills were going to run away with that early in the season. Uh, and now it, it's 
uh, it, it's close. Um, so I think this is, this is going to be a real fun team to watch. Like they're not the flashy uh, at any point. Like they're not like one of the, the you know, most explosive offenses. Yeah, that's why you're seeing the, Brady, the early anything. career Brady stuff, right? Like that's why it's all yeah. coming, coming back. It's all, yeah, all I, the nostalgia is coming back. Yeah, I think I think people are, are stretching for that a little bit, but like it's just it is they are figuring out they know what they're good at and that's what they've just been building on, right? I think they're they're one of the smartest coaching staffs in the league. Yeah, it's half the battle. Obviously, about the Eagles. Yeah. Like it's it took the Eagles eight weeks to figure it out, <laughs> and so many teams uh, still don't. I mean, so many teams still haven't figured stuff out. So. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is true. Um, so let's let's wrap up quickly with I guess did Sunday night football, um, because that's a game that still matters uh, quite a bit. I, I don't know what to really make of either one of these teams right now. Cleveland, uh, just coming off just not looking great uh, over the past couple of weeks. I think the Baker Mayfield, the fighting with himself, fighting with Cleveland fans. Um, so that's just kind of started to be a uh, disaster brewing. Uh, potentially. It's rough in these parts, man. It's rough <laughs> in these parts. Like the, the Browns haven't been good ever since they came back and, you know, as an expansion team and you know, they finally have a little taste of expectations and now it's just, it's like full meltdown. <laughs> uh, and then and then we uh we we go over to, to baltimore and uh shout out tyler only yeah this, that, he, that he was did it, man. that was a game that was a game this podcast was made for it could have been it could have been gone like he could have played better but it, he also could have played worse so but also like I, I think i think when when you look at this i wrote about it uh for, for first and ten like he was blitzed on almost 70% of his dropbacks. Chicago was just like, we are sending everyone we have with him with no receivers. Because again, like Marquise Brown was out. Uh, right. Mark Andrews was the only receiving threat uh, in that game. Um, so the Bears just said, we are going to throw everything we have at him and get this guy uh, under pressure all the time, which which they did. And again, it, it wasn't great statistically, uh, but it could have been way worse. Like for someone to be, I think it was like 68% of his dropbacks, uh, the Bears sent at least uh, an extra rusher. Uh, so blitz like 68% of the time, which was like the highest we've seen, I think in like years. Um so that could have been a disaster, but he was able to, you know, do just enough. Um, you know, they, they sent a blitz on the, on the Sammy Watkins pass uh, in the, in the fourth quarter that, that set up the, uh, the touchdown to win. So um, yeah, shout out Tyler Huntley. But I think uh, this is another thing where, where Baltimore, like we're, we're just seeing they're, they're doing enough and they have enough pieces. You know, they should be healthy. Lamar Jackson is expected to play. I think Marquise Brown is, is supposed to be back. Um so I just, I just kind of think I have, I still have trust in what those guys are, um, even when, you know, it hasn't been super consistent uh, this year, especially on defense. But I just also think the, the Browns are just, uh, they're, they're in a place where like they were working on, on their strengths. And then, you know, the Baker got hurt, the, the Odell thing happened. And I, I think they, they haven't completely, you know, figured that out. I, th- I think we kind of expected you know, when at least I expected once the Odell was out of the situation, like they would be going in that like 13 personnel, um, you know, a type of offense. Cause they were really good passing from that too. When you have three tight ends who like, who actually can run like David Njoku is kind of like that, you know, receiver hybrid, like he's not really, you know, a, a tight end, um, you know, a type of guy. Like I, I thought they would be a little heavier into that and be able to find success passing there. And that hasn't really been the case. Uh, I think they've you know, still been trying to, you know, run through the 11 personnel um, you know, a little bit. And that just, I just think things just haven't been clicking uh, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And I just think they're just beat up. I mean, to be honest, yeah. like, I mean, Baker Mayfield hasn't played well, plus is playing hurt. Like it's a terrible combination, right? It's, and then the Jarvis Landry's playing hurt. Uh, Donald Peoples Jones missed last week after it looked like he, after the Odell, you know, trade looked like he was going to have a larger role and maybe be the guy that could be kind of an explosive playmaker. Cause when you play the Ravens, that's what you need. Like the Ravens are literally an all or nothing defense. Like they're selling yep. out to stop the run and blitzing and they're going to give up big plays. Like it's how they live. They live and die on it. Um, and they, they, they've almost been like the AFC Vikings in a sense, like not all their games are weird. They come down to like, they give up huge plays. They sometimes play down to teams like the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. Uh, but do the Browns have enough like splash play guys outside of the run game? Like the, all their explosive plays come out of run game. Uh, so down on people's Jones, is, like the one guy that they have, and is he even going to be healthy enough to play? So 
Uh, we did think that, though, a couple weekends ago against the Dolphins. We said, well, who do the Dolphins have with big plays? And the Ravens just gifted them get big plays. So that, that yeah. has happened with the Ravens this season, like, repeatedly. It happened last week. Marquise Brown is uh, he's just running all alone. Or not Marquise Brown, Marquise Goodwin. is just running all, of lo- all alone to put them ahead. Uh, the, the Ravens consistently make these mistakes, right? Like, the, like the, the crux of the defense is good. And, like, the bulk of the product is good. But then there's just, like, these, like, 10 to 15% of plays in the game that are just, like, backbreakers uh yeah and it's it's and it's like not even you know skill it it always looks like it's some communication yeah uh, a type of breakdown and then that's what the the goodwin thing was like when you're sending these blitzes and you're and you're playing either like man coverage and you have to know like who you're responsible for and where your help is if there is any help it just kind of seems like they they lose track of that like for yeah, albert you know, wilson three or four plays night. a game yeah yep it's like it's just and it's just crippling it, it crippling like, they're just like the, you know those are those are huge plays uh, that you give up. I mean, the, 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 they end up winning, they beat the Vikings, but you know, you get the, the Justin Jefferson touchdown and the same, the same kind of ilk. Uh, yeah. Outside of that chargers game where they were like front to back, like dominant uh, you know, the they've, they've really kind of been like all over the place. Yeah. And like, that's, that's going to be what they have to overcome. And early in the season, like when they were throwing out of their minds, uh, the Ravens were able to do that the past few couple of weeks. It, it's been up and down. They were able to survive, you know, with uh, Tyler Huntley um, uh, against the bears. Uh, it might be, you know, their this... stretch here is ridiculous too. Yeah. Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers to close. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it, not looking great. And like, they, they kind of have to, I think they have to assess what parts of their offense, uh, especially, are, are going to be working and what they, you know, need to do. Like they had success, you know, dropping back, going three wide, and and throwing the ball. And that's like we talked about that a lot earlier in the season. And I wrote about what they were doing. They were just like running a spread offense. Like it wasn't the motion into the run game. Like they were just you know lighting these guys up, and they were winning. And if they feel comfortable with that, like that might be the best thing they can do if they have these guys healthy. Um, especially if if Watkins is back, if if Bateman can you know step up and I think we've said if Bateman can step up and play a big role in the offense for like the past four weeks uh, on this podcast it hasn't completely happened yet but uh, I think that that might be how you know they have to find success because uh, it's you know it's going to be hard relying on Devontae Freeman uh, (laughs) running the ball Uh, and I think that we've we've found that out there and especially if if this if the defense is continually going to give up big plays like it has like you have to have that quick strike uh, type of of offense and that's how they were throwing the ball earlier in the season this just hasn't been how they've been able to you know put it together when when they've had that run game because it just it's not the same yeah, I mean, and on the other side, like, I mean, what do we think the Browns do? I mean, it's, it's, we've seen teams start to have success just like just blitzing the Ravens and even Lamar Jackson, uh, you yeah. know, just sending heat. But that's not really what the Browns do either. So are the Browns going to, you know, kind of adjust? Are they because the Browns are a team that don't really blitz at all? Um, but that's been kind of the thing. You remember, it used to be like you can't blitz Lamar Jackson, you know, because if you miss, like, it, like, the gates open. But I mean, Teams have started to have a ton of success just throwing guys just at the and because their offensive line has been so banged up too. But uh yeah, it's not really the Browns MO either. So we'll see if the Browns can switch some things up and and get after and send some extra heat. It's not like playing zone has worked for the Browns either, like sitting back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the, like they they've been an up and down thing too. Like when they've wanted to when it's worked well, like what they've wanted to do has worked really well. Like there were stretches where this Browns defense has looked really good. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it, it hasn't always clicked. And and that's, you know, one of those things too. So if like, I, I, I see what they want to do and they, you know, they, they, Joe, Joe Woods comes from, you know, San Francisco. He wants to be like that, that quarters type defense. They have that front four that, that can get home. Um, and it's just like, it's, there's always something a little bit off uh, in that game. I think, you know, getting, uh, you know, Wusu Koromoa has been, you know, in and out of the lineup. And, and that was a big thing for them uh, a little bit to have that guy in the middle of the field who can cover. But um, yeah, we'll see. And, and you know, there, there's not going to be a lot of, you know, straight dropbacks for like Miles Garrett to have a, a huge game. And I think like that's what the Browns have relied on a, a little bit to set up the defense. So I, I think it is, uh, you know, uh, a fun dynamic that's going to be back and forth here. And I'm, I'm not totally sure what, what the Browns are, are even going to do or what their plan is going to be. 
All right. So uh, on that note, I think we can uh, end the show here. And it, I, I think well, one of the things is interesting, and I'm looking at it, you know, Baltimore by Baltimore, like we, we see these yeah. two teams play uh, <laughs> in two of the next three weeks. Um, so I, I think, I guess if something doesn't work in, in this week, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland has a buy at least to, uh, to get right and, and think about uh, what, they, what they're going to attack Baltimore with, uh, in week 14, uh, which is a interesting schedule quirk. Um, so on that note, I think we're going to end the podcast here. Hope everyone had a, a great Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this on, uh, on Friday, hope you're, if you're traveling, I hope you're traveling safe. Um, you know, so uh, remember, you can find uh, all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, find uh, Rich's worksheet. Uh, you can uh, also find our, our betting show on uh, this podcast. Ryan McChrystal uh, was been doing some um, good things with that. Um, you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. 